number two of Sports Talk begins with Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson, and we are pleased to welcome as a guest to Sports Talk for the first time in 2020, Vince Ferrar. Vince, how are you? I'm good. A guest not on the phone from a bull site. That's right. Not so, a co-host. I find all kinds of ways to invade your show. So. That's right. <laughs> Goodness gracious. You're just lucky you've got a great mom. This is true. But anyhow, uh, Vince will join us for hour number two of the program to join the conversation. 656 9900. 656 9900. Star 990 is free for ATT and U.S. cellular customers. The toll free number 1 866 656 9900. With LSU's victory last night, the college football season comes to a close in terms of games to be played. You've got some all star games coming up, of which a number of alls will be participating. But Vince, just your thoughts on where it stands and what a year it was this year in the postseason for the SEC compared to what was a disappointing out, uh, outing last year for the conference. Well, it removed that narrative of, well, it's just it's Alabama and everyone else. Can't really use that anymore. And if you look at the time, even going back to the BCS, Jimmy, there's been six teams that have won the title, I think is the number. So, uh, it, yes, Alabama has, has had the largest uh, and the greatest success, but it is not just Alabama anymore. And LSU, with what they accomplished this year, the turnaround in that offense, Ed Ogeron in proving himself with all of the doubters uh, when he got that LSU job, just incredible. I don't know that we've ever seen a season for a quarterback like Joe Burrow delivered uh, this year and did it against high-level of competition without a drop off. Yeah. Just it and that was Clemson's best shot. They did everything in their power to try to confuse him, give him looks he hadn't seen, pressure him, and I was not surprised whatsoever that maybe there was a little bit of time there and there was that Clemson was having success, but that Joe Burrow wouldn't have an answer. I mean, he is that good. And it, he he I said it before the game and and some shows that that I did it uh, as a guest I would take the over on all of those prop bets for Joe Burrow stats in that title game take the over and he delivered on all of those and running the football really was a difference maker I think it 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 got their offense going and then Clemson had to now worry about something else to defend they didn't blitz as much. Then LSU got in their rhythm. And even though Clemson got the stop in the start of the second half, and then they went down and scored, no flinch whatsoever from LSU. Just so impressed with what they uh, they accomplished this year. As far as the league goes, I, I still think it's viewed as top-heavy. And so the, the bottom in the middle of the league has to improve. To, People around the country are going to look at Tennessee as one of those rising programs. Where are the other ones? Texas A&M, maybe because of Jimbo Fisher, but they really haven't maybe had the success that you would think a coach with his accomplishments should have in his first two years. And, you know, everybody else, you have coaching changes to Mississippi schools. Well, Arkansas, obviously, a coaching change there, but they're a long way away from contending. And then Auburn's always either, oh, playoff contender, fire Gus Malzahn. There's just 
there's no uh, there's no continuity with them. So I, I think the SEC has got to to get better. Kentucky continue to have success, but they're always doubted that that they can sustain. So it, it's the 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 middle and the bottom have to improve, or else the SEC is just going to be viewed as really top heavy. And now Alabama and LSU, and maybe some people will keep Georgia in that conversation. Do you think the SEC cares if it's viewed as top heavy as long as it's winning a national championship? No, it's a stats. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like being able to brag that you can put more than a hundred thousand people in your in your football stadium. <laughs> we'll, we'll sacrifice maybe some some comfort, some fan comfort, and whatever else, bathrooms, whatever else, space, because we can brag about that. And that, the SEC ultimately can shake off some criticism that, uh, about the middle and the bottom of the conference because the, the scoreboard reads what the scoreboard reads, and it's still the SEC's championships, and it's not everybody else's because guess what? All those other conferences, they wouldn't apologize about it either if they were being won by one or two programs. And largely, if you do look at the, those other ones, that's the way it is in the other conferences also. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if it's the ACC, it's Clemson. Right. If you go to the Big 12, it's Oklahoma. Yep. If you go to the Big 10, it's Ohio State. Yep. And the Pac-12 has had Washington. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Yes, in the playoff. In, in yes. the playoff. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, – whereas it, Might have been Utah this year, but the Utes well, failed yeah, they, to show. Yeah, they, they, exactly. Texas blew them out. And even if you go farther back, if you go back into the BCS, BCS and, and you add – those titles during that era, it, it's still just a, the top couple of programs from each conference. It is not the look at this long list. The, actually, the SEC, when you include the BCS, the SEC actually has more depth of teams to win than any other any of those other conferences. It's five, isn't it? It's did five I'm, or six, yeah. Did I do this wrong? I got Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Florida, Tennessee. I'm missing somebody. Um, Georgia's not right. No, yeah, I think it's yeah, yeah. Um, so at least you've got some right. variety among those. Uh, when you look at what Joe Burrow did, Vince, can you find a better season by a player from the SEC than what he delivered? He threw for 5,600 yards. He set a record with 60 touchdowns, passes, 65 touchdowns. Responsible. He was second. All time in a single season for completion percentage. Mm-hmm. Is there been a better season turned in by a quarterback or by anybody in the SEC? I'm not. As you may know, I'm not big on comparing things historically. You know, you go back far in the time, and there's just so many different variables. But even in recent memory, the Cam Newton season at Auburn, mm-hmm. the Johnny Manziel season at Texas A&M. Uh, Tim Tebow at Florida. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the ones that really stand out in recent yep. memory. I agree. But I think this one was the most impressive because it, it had all things factored into it. It had touchdowns, completion percentage, yards, uh, consistency. Uh, it It's just, I think for some people, they might have difficulty in going there with this season because it was so unexpected for many. 
And I, I think we have a hard time maybe changing what our original opinions are on anything in sports. Look at Lamar Jackson. Look at the, all the criticism he took after the loss to the Titans. Well, a lot of that was people that originally said he wouldn't work out and had that opinion he wouldn't be a great quarterback. Now they see an opportunity to try to justify their original opinion that was wrong. You know, what's interesting about what you said, so when Cam Newton went to Auburn, he had come from a junior college. Nobody knew he would be that good. Right. Johnny Manziel didn't win the starting job at A&M come out of the spring. Exactly. And then he had a brilliant year. Now, you saw some glimpses of Burrow at the end of last season as we, we talked with Brian Lazar about that. Mm-hmm. Brian said, look, I, he was good, but he didn't expect anything like this. So he just kind of shot out. As one guy said yesterday on TV, he went from a fifth-round pick to the number one overall pick with what he did. Uh, he, he was It was amazing to see the transformation. Joe Brady gets a lot of credit, Orgeron for allowing all that to go on. And I heard somebody say, well, is it Burrow or is it Brady? I'm going to go Burrow. There are a whole lot of coaches that can sit there and design things. Right. Not everybody can execute it, and he executed it. It's it's not only his ability, his skill set as a quarterback, but his belief in himself. And it, the, I've heard stories, Desmond Howard has, has talked about this, where he'd go to visit LSU, and he'd say, he'd go to Jefferson or to Chase and say, hey, can I talk to you for a couple minutes? And they'd be like, Hang on, I gotta ask Joe. I gotta make sure we're not throwing. And <laughs> and he is in total control when he plays. He's in total control when they practice. Just a chip on his shoulder. His perspective, just a complete quarterback. And I I think he is I, since Deshaun Watson. I think I might have mentioned this to you off the air, Jimmy. I think he is the surest thing to be a successful NFL quarterback since Deshaun Watson. Over, or Drew Locke last draft. Or Drew Locke last draft. That's right. Now, <laughs> Denver Broncos starting quarterback. He was my favorite of, right? of last year's uh, group. So I, I, I just I don't care that he's twenty three. People were making the comparison with Lawrence. Who would you rather take? Oh, Lawrence is a better prospect because he's just turned twenty or whatever it is, and Burrow's twenty three. That I'm sorry, he's a long way from being antique. If anything, he can help you quicker and at a higher level. I think in the NFL. Yeah, and going, it's fair every now and then to look at ridiculous numbers and think, okay, is is he a product of the system? And because all you're looking at is numbers on paper or on a screen, but uh, as we get closer and closer to a paperless society. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, but just to watch him play, I mean, there's there's things that he does and that he's capable of that, one, I don't think he was getting credit for at the start of this season in terms of his elusiveness, his ability to extend plays. To me, that it's it's how effortless he makes that look to where you just kind of sidestep a rusher to this side or you spin out of what could be a hand to your jersey or even somebody trying to wrap you up. His ability to do that. And then, while on a dead run towards the line of scrimmage, spot a guy 25, 30 yards downfield and fire it on a rope to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are just some things that you see that you realize this is just an amazing talent. And now, not to say that talent and system don't make for a record-setting and you know record-shattering season, as we've just seen, but I think that there are just so many things that he does, so many subtle things, that he is, just as Vince was saying, he's a remarkable athlete and quarterback. Who calls a quarterback draw on third and 10 with 20 seconds left and no timeouts left in the first half? Who yep. does that? A madman. 
Yeah. I mean, you might do that for Cam Newton, yeah. or somebody that's a, just an unbelievable runner. He took off and gained the yards and got out of bounds on about what the six or so yard line. But that's that's a pretty that's confidence in the coaching staff in him too with his ability. That that was pretty impressive to me. His ability to process what the defense is doing to him. These are high level defensive coordinators. He he almost always knows where to go with the football. He doesn't look confused. And even if it took him a couple of drives last night, he had the answers. And it just that in his system, that is an NFL system, which means the NFL is going to like him even more because he doesn't have the adjustment that a lot of these spread quarterbacks that are never under center and never do anything like the college game. Uh, he's he's done those things, so I think he's going to have an easy adjustment. And speaking of easy, this should be an easy turning into the card for the Cincinnati Bengals. Don't botch that. They'll, they'll take all their time. <laughs> the Bengals, and by the way, I was looking this up. They have Joe Mixon who gained 1,100 yards in 15 games, and he was banged up in a couple others. He's a really good NFL running back. Giovanna Bernard is behind him. They have um, A.J. Green if he decides he wants to play. He can, he can be really good. Tyler Boyd had 90 catches this past year, and they got a tight end named Tyler Eifert that caught 43. They have some pretty good players at Cincinnati on offense mm-hmm. to where that offense could be pretty good right away with Burrow. And I think Burrow's good enough to make a quick adjustment. Fix, as good as Baker Mayfield. Got to fix that offensive line, and some of that mm-hmm. is health. They've drafted mm-hmm. a number of Ohio State linemen that have gotten banged up, Price and some others. So they need to address the offensive line. But you're right. It's not a bare cupboard for him to come in and, and then have no chance. And as we've seen with the 49ers and others, you get a quarterback and you hit on your draft picks, you can go from bad to pretty good fairly quickly. If you're the Bengals, do you do you set a price in your mind that if you get a phone call as to what it would take or, or would you not part with this pick? Because you have an Ohio kid who has the chance to be the guy that, that leads you back in the right direction. And so this almost seems like it's a match made in heaven and mm-hmm. too good to be true. What did Mike Ditka do? He traded all of his picks there for Ricky go. Williams. That's what I want if I'm the Bengals. I'll take all of your picks. <laughs> all seven, if, if you got seven. If you were the Dolphins <laughs> and you've got this wealth of first-round picks, do you just say, we'll give you everything we have on the first night? I... Uh, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't not to, not to just because you have so many things you need to address, but they still have a shot at Tua. Yeah. So I think that's their better play. Do you think any team will call the Bengals to say, what would it take? Yes. Because they're the Bengals. They can (laughs) botch things and you never know what's going through their mind. Maybe they. Maybe they they can be swayed. We got the 29th pick this year, and then we got the next 14 second round picks for this team. <laughs> we are happy to announce. You think the Cincinnati? <laughs> the, you think the New England Patriots are looking at the Bengals and saying, "Yeah, we can work them." <laughs> they don't have very many scouts. We'll yeah. we'll, we'll finagle this deal. And, That's right. I, I think the Jets are looking at the Bengals saying we can work them. <laughs> Just fill in the blank. There's 31 teams that will look at the Bengals and say we can work them. Absolutely. But, look, the 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 Cincinnati Bengals should not take – they can take their phone call and they will. But, to me, you, you this is the perfect fit, and you have to get that position right to have any sort of shot. And look, they can get everybody's full draft uh, on all their draft picks. 
doesn't mean the Bengals are going to be able to hit on those draft picks. True. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. For them, they got to get the quarterback and they got to figure out a way to draft better and not miss on, on those players. That's right. How many times have we seen teams with 11 picks this year in the draft? Well, that's that's bad news for you. Yeah. Because <laughs> the bust is going to, uh, the bust rate is going to increase. That's Vince Ferrara with Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson. We'll get a break. 656-9900 is how you join us. 656-9900 puts you on 991 The Sports Animal. All sports, all the time. It's not a lifestyle we chose. We were born this way. 99.1 The Sports Animal. Vince Ferrara sitting in for hour number two of Sports Talk with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. 656-9900 is how you join us. 656-9900. Let's check in with Jacob. Hi, Jacob. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Doing well, thanks. All right. Good to hear. I've got a couple questions for you. First off, what phase or part of the Neyland Stadium renovations are taking place now? Oh, I'm not 100% sure. I think they're in the south end. I think they're redoing the bathrooms and the corridors. And I also think they're looking at um, some seating changes there, I think. Are there any plans to install uh, the LED light system that we've seen in Tuscaloosa and in Baltimore with the Ravens at that Neyland Stadium? I, I don't know what uh, – I can't answer that. Yeah, they have a system, but it's been in place for a couple of years. But it's it's nothing like – and I, but that I don't know if they have plans to upgrade to something like that. Uh, but, Vince, they, they did adjust that, I guess, inner ring around the upper deck a couple of years ago, but uh, nothing to the degree of the light shows that we've seen bubble to the surface of late. Yeah, as much as they had to you know, really budget what you know to and prioritize what to keep in there in terms of big renovations, I don't know if they're going to get. My guess is that would be in the in the sort of luxury uh, you know category where that that's that's maybe something that it, you see at some of the, the those other places, but I, I don't know that that would make the cut in terms of. I think they're the renovations are more necessity and things that they've laid out for a while just to make it nicer and more accommodating for the fan experience versus something cool that to match what other people are doing. Well, that's a shame really to hear because under Doug Dickey and Johnny Majors, it seemed like Tennessee led the nation in facilities and there's nothing that they didn't have. And in this aspect, it seems like they're lagging behind the times a little bit. I mean, that's the new thing, and a number of other uh, stadiums in college and in the NFL have it. I mean, it'd be great to see it at Neyland Stadium. A couple more things that I'll hop off here. Uh, I, is there any truth to the, the rumors that Amari Rogers might be coming next year via um, graduate transfer? I don't know. Uh, can't say it's not possible, but I do not know. Hadn't heard that. I know that all those guys, there's four guys at Clemson that in interviews mentioned the four stars. I mean, mm-hmm. T. Higgins 
and Amari Rogers, Travis Etienne, and then Hunter Johnson, excuse me, and, Tra- and Trevor Lawrence, they all talked about how they were growing up, they were Tennessee fans, and what it would have been like had they gone to Tennessee, which obviously makes it more painful for Tennessee fans to, to uh, you know, digest. But, you know, if that's that's always something that I think you're you're hoping for if you're if you're Tennessee because of the past history but why why would you do that versus the NFL all these guys have passed to the NFL why would they make it to the grad transfer and then move to another school versus that experience of getting at Clemson well you got you got a chance to play for national championship you got one of the best quarterbacks in the country and if you the advantage of going to Tennessee would be that you would play for your dad right Yes. Other than that, Clemson has all the advantages right now. Mm-hmm. So I would be surprised if he came to Tennessee. But he decided. Well, obviously, T. Martin wasn't wasn't here at the time. But he didn't go follow his dad at USC. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's something that over time he's like, well, I want to get this in while I can. That would be the only way, is if he's sort of rethought that. Yeah, and if you see some of these tweets that have been thrown out there, I think it was Cooper Mays that was just, and it, I mean, it wasn't anything specific, but and it's all inference on my part, um, is that when you say, and we're not done yet, or keep watching, different things like that, that's one of the things I, I mean, I thought, well, I guess it, it's at least potential, but Again, there's absolutely nothing that I have heard specifically that says this could be the case. I've had the thought, but there's nothing I've seen anywhere else that that even in, alludes to this. Okay, one more thing, and then I'll hop off. Uh, I'd like to get individually your pick on the AFC uh, title game Sunday. Do you think the Titans make it three upsets in a row? It would be amazing if they did, because if they do, they will have beaten – the three to four division winners in a row, right? They would have beaten the Texans in week 17, mm-hmm. and then they would have won at new England, beaten Baltimore, and then won at Kansas city. They would have swept the AFC division winners, uh, on a path to the super bowl. I think it's going to be a challenge, but I also think it's going to be a challenge for both sides. I think it's just going to be perhaps a, a knockdown drag out kind of game. I love the way that the back half of the Titans defense is playing right now. And you also look at, at what they're doing to impact from the front seven, uh, the game as well, which I think the more pressure, Jimmy, you put on a quarterback, the better your secondary is going to look. But right now, Titans are just firing on all cylinders. Chiefs, we know, are incredibly dangerous. And Tennessee's better equipped to hold on to a 24-point lead if they get one. Correct. Than the Texans. My goodness. Um, I, I pick Kansas City. But Kansas City, entering that game, I, I saw this stat up there. They were like 3-8 and eight in the playoffs in the Super Bowl era. That's the worst percentage of anybody. They were like one and seven at home. Now they're two and seven, but now they're different with this Mahomes and that offense. I would pick Kansas City, but if if the Titans can run the football like they did in the first two playoff games, I think that gives them a puncher's chance. Jacob, I think the Titans are going to play the Chiefs a lot tougher than the Houston Texans did. I don't think you'll see that type of game. I think you'll see it lower scoring than maybe some people anticipate because of how prolific the Chiefs' offense is. I think the Titans have the ability to slow the game down and limit possessions for the Chiefs. And if that happens, Chiefs maybe start pressing because they're seeing they're not getting as many opportunities. Oh, by the way, you got to stop that running game. Do you think it'll be even lower scoring than they're meeting this year? I think 35-32 was the final, something like that. 
I would say yes. Yeah. I, I would I would agree. And I think if, if Henry has upwards of twenty five carries, I saw where the high is supposed to be twenty four degrees. Nobody's gonna want to tackle that guy when uh, with a trip to, uh, on the line to go to the Super Bowl. And I mean, you're just they're not gonna want to tackle that guy. He's spurring a uh, future Hall of Famer, arguably, and Earl Thomas completely around. And that's uh, and Earl Thomas had made reference to the fact that the other teams yeah. hadn't wanted to tackle him and that they would be different. Well, he wasn't very much different, at least not on that play. No. So it'll be a good one. Thanks, guys. Sure do appreciate it. The good news is is Twitter's always kind to people like that. Of course. They don't ever throw his words right back at him with memes and videos and things like that at all. <laughs> no. Uh, but Jacob's statement, nobody's going to want to tackle that guy. You can just uh, f- fill in the blank on whatever the temperature is. Yeah, I was about to say. the setting is. It could be sunny in 73. <laughs> you could be in San Diego. I don't think anybody wants to tackle him. <laughs> but to his point, it hurts a little. Contact hurts a little more in that kind of cold. That's Vince Ferraro with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. 656-9900 is how you join us. 656-9900 puts you on 991 The Sports Animal. Yes. Welcome back to Sports Talk, Sports Radio WNML. I'm Jimmy Himes with John Wilkerson and Vince Farrar. We've been talking a lot about uh, LSU, certainly with the great season they had, and um, I-, I think one of the all-time great years that the uh, the SEC has seen and the college football has seen as well. Vince, from your take, who do you think of the? Where would you rank the best programs in college football right now? Well, I- I think Alabama and Clemson are both at the top of college football. And if anything, I would give Clemson the edge right now because of how frequently they've been in the national championship game. Alabama is the first time they hadn't been in the playoff. So I don't know that they can drop off too much. But I think you can have multiple teams at the top of college football right now. And, yes, I'm not saying, look, LSU won the championship this year, but I'm talking about – the this dynasty discussion and the programs that rule college football. If Clemson would have won, I, I think it, they would have had clear separation over Alabama. They did not. Uh, I, I would put those those two together at the top with maybe Clemson with a slight edge. I've seen about five way too early top twenty five polls. Every one of them has Clemson number one. Mm-hmm. Many of them have Alabama in the top four. What about LSU? Can LSU repeat, not repeat as a national champion, but come back and be a national championship contender at least? Well, Clemson has some guys that could go early as juniors, and but they still largely, they do have, they're going to lose a lot on their offensive line, like four of the five are either grad transfers or seniors that start on their own line. So they're going to have to replace that, but still they have a lot of other guys coming back. And they were young this year in a lot of positions. So that's why I think Clemson, and oh, by the way, Trevor Lawrence is coming back as your as your quarterback. And, He's not bad. No. Uh, and he will probably, again, be the Heisman favorite going into in the next season, I would think. Yeah, as far as, for instance, I just, this was the changeover conversation between Josh, Heather, and myself coming into sports talk. And 
And as far as my top five, I went ahead and penciled in Florida at number five just because I think Georgia's going through a transition. Doesn't mean that at the end of the season they don't win another Eastern Division as their string continues, but I put Florida there first. Uh, so I've got Florida five. I put LSU four simply for the fact that who knows? I mean, they could be as talented next year as they are this year, but if you don't have Joe Burrow, that might be a big tipping point. So I put LSU at four, and then I put Alabama three because it's Alabama. Ohio State 2 and Clemson 1. The usual suspects is the point, yeah. uh, uh, other than maybe Florida. And as far as I, the, the, the viewing LSU, here's the thing. Yes, they're going to lose Joe Burrow, but they're going to be a factor in any of the quarterback that transfers are. that You're are out exactly there. exactly right. Derek King. Because uh, Brady's there. That's right. If he stays right there. now, yeah, that's yeah. Right. fair point, fair qualifier. A lot of lot of uh, fluidity to it, but here's the thing, and and you guys know this because it's a a topic every year uh, in the off season and going to the draft is the early enrolls from LSU. No team has to deal with early enrolls departing from their program like LSU. So many notable players. They've got a ton. of of juniors, a lot on defense, and some on offense also. So who goes, who stays? I think that can really – and then what do they get in terms of grad transfers, uh, especially a quarterback? So that is all – LSU can go a lot of different directions, and it will be more of a test on Ed Ogeron, okay? Brought in Joe Brady, you adapted, you got your QB. What happens if you're missing one of those key elements? Do you have answers like Joe Brady and Joe Burrow had? Do you, as a head coach and leader of a program, have answers to find other ways? So it it, uh, it it will be determined. You can go a lot of different ways with LSU, but I still think they're one way or the other. They're, they're still going to be very talented. They still got a ton of four- and five-star guys waiting in the wing, just like Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson and all those guys. So, it's just a matter of how much you, they drop if a lot of guys depart early. Well, and how much they drop from Burrow to whoever. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And, and I don't know who that's going to be. I I would expect him to lose Jefferson. He's a junior, right? Yes. Uh, Chase has to come back. He's a sophomore, to my understanding. Yes. I don't know. I don't think he's a redshirt Mar- sophomore. Marshall is a sophomore. Yeah. Chase is a sophomore. Uh, but yeah, Jefferson is a junior. So, sorry, good. So it's going to be interesting to see what they have there. I don't. I don't know if Miles Brennan is the answer. I don't know what grad transfer would be more suitable than what you have right now. I don't mm-hmm. know who's out there on the market right now. I know King is out there. Yeah, Dear King from Houston, and maybe even better than him is Wake Forest quarterback. From he's going last to Georgia. Year. Is he? Is he? Yeah. Okay. I I I heard that he was that that was a likely destination for him. So it's a done deal. I think he's going to well, announce it an all-star game. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> he has said he's going there. Yes, he has. So, okay. um, I, I, I guess he could, I, and I assume that – I don't know when they enroll in Georgia. I don't know. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I, so you take him off the board. I don't know where you go to find somebody. And they may like Miles Brennan a lot. I don't know. Right. But yeah. that, to me, is the biggest question because I – what Burrow did was was so special. It's gonna, nobody's going to repeat that. No, but we don't know if with the system and then some of those still really good receivers. If you you keep mm-hmm. Brady and and those guys, you have enough of those guys that even if he's not Joe Burrow, maybe he's still awfully good. Could be. He doesn't yeah. have to necessarily be Burrow. Uh, 
they'll have to compensate in other areas. So, you know, yeah, I think uh, I think it's still to to be determined. We're just getting news that uh, Euros Plavsic, the Tennessee transfer from Arizona State, has been cleared by the NCAA. Wow. It's been tweeted by more than one outlet. Well, the, now here's my deal, and Coach Barnes is really good. I'm playing that guy. I'm not, I, I, I think there was a comment earlier about, well, we may not play him, and, you know, even if he gets cleared. He's already redshirted. You need as much height as you can get. So what's the reason you wouldn't play him? I agree with you. It's look, he, he he's probably a little a little hesitant because of the Kyle Alexander uh situation because he, looking back on it, I don't know how many times he told us, man, it'd be great to have Kyle Alexander back a year. Looking back on it, you know, we would have liked to have redshirted him, but we felt like we had to play him. Euro Eurosh is in to me he's a little bit different because he he's had more basketball experience he's been around the program um and he gives you such a unique element that this team does not have I think he's not quite the project that say Kyle Alexander was at the time to where yeah the the red shirt would have been maybe something that that you you could have it would have been more ideal but with a kid like him as much as they've been trying to get him eligible even at the at the you know the mid the turn of the semesters which is not that long ago if you get the word now when you're trying to get him in at mid-year i think that's close enough to where you treat it the same way, and you play the kid in SEC play. Yeah, Philip Fulmer quoted as saying, we appreciate the committee's work as this process ran its course. We're thrilled that Euros will receive this opportunity to compete and that he no longer stands to lose a year of his eligibility. Our compliance staff put a great deal of work and persistence into achieving this outcome. This is the right decision, close quote. So, yeah, I um, I would be very surprised. Well, they just – now, he may not start <laughs> – like Vescovi, yeah. Yeah. He might, he might, yeah. but he's been working with the scout team and doing things like that. He's so, been working the whole time, yeah. so mm-hmm. that's at least a, so, a possibility. And, and it shouldn't be a he's not in shape issue. Correct. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, Tennessee basketball has tweeted the story with the it being posted on utsports.com. So, yeah. ruled eligible to compete, effective immediately. Yeah, the release from Tennessee. And yeah. I, I wonder in... Tennessee learning about this and getting Euros Plavsic eligible, if they were told what the problem was from the get-go. Why why was there a hang-up? Because they don't, apparently they don't tell you the first time they deny his uh, waiver appeal to play right away. Did they find that out during this process, what the holdup was? Um, my understanding is that you have to meet criteria, and they just say he didn't meet this criteria. So then Tennessee, re, they appealed with right. – and typically if you appeal, it's with new information. Right. I don't know what that was. But I'm pretty sure Rick Barnes had said, well, when you when you go through this sort of last process of appeal, you, know, you can find out, all right, why is it? So we can let the kid know. why Why was it no? Why was he denied? So I would like to know why he was denied in the first place and what changed. Maybe they didn't share that with Tennessee and it's just a, a blanket yes, no, and you know go about your business, 
no no more information needed here you know uh but i i, I would like to know what the reason was originally he, they said no and why now they're saying yes i would too i don't know what changed but good for them and yeah, that, yeah, it's a right. game changer potentially yeah that's vince ferrara with jimmy himes i'm john wilkerson we'll get a break and be back with a final segment to hour number two of sports talk on 99.1 the sports animal the king of beer the king of sports Live from the Budweiser studios of Cumulus Broadcasting, this is Sports Radio WNML. segment to hour number two of sports talk a final segment for us with vince ferrara vince what's going on these days at 99.1 the sports awful lot we've obviously got uh, everything in terms of post game for the vols and uh, cover all stories daily on the university of tennessee got a new pat uh, basketball podcast from our joel silverberg called behind the arc a weekly podcast, and that's up there, Vincenzo's View podcast. Working on graphic for that. You're going to like that, John. Wilkerson. Can't wait to see it. Yep. So uh, just check the menu tab with all the show pages you can get to and uh, audio for all the podcasts and much more. We're adding to it and tweaking everything on a daily basis. And then the video section in the middle of the, the main page where you can scroll through all the archived videos. Go back and watch Trey Smith press conference uh, if you want. Jeremy Pruitt and lots of that stuff. So uh, continued coverage. There's no off-season here on the sports team. That's right. You've been jet-setting, traveling the world of late. Tell me, what does it look like in terms of VFLs in the NFL for the Final Four? Manuel Mosley is the last VFL standing in the playoffs. Now, Jalen Hurd is with the 49ers, but he's not active. He's on IR. Let's see. You've got Dustin Colquitt. That's right. I'm, well, yeah, Dustin Colquitt with the Chiefs. You're right. So right. those are the last two. Um, and uh, the, both of the Colquitt brothers were punting last weekend. Minnesota was uh, 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 was eliminated. So, yes, you're right. I'm sorry. Uh, Colquitt with Kansas City and then Emmanuel Mosley with the 49ers. Those are the last two. And... Um, yeah, you know, the uh, the it's a it's a small group certainly, but mm-hmm. there's a chance you could see two up to two in the uh, in the Super Bowl, and I think uh, a lot of people would pick that since both of those teams are at home. Be something to see. And then as far as there was something else I was going to ask you, uh, you're going to brag about my college football uh, season record in uh, in in. Uh, my prediction record this year. No, I'll let you do that. <laughs> no, it's good. You usually bring that up. Right. Well, it's been a while since I've had that that on the list. <laughs> I got the national championship game right last night. So did uh, us. So did we. Yeah. <laughs> Four, uh, I had 42-28. Did anyone get it? You you took everybody's predictions from the staff. Anyone get it on, on the money? No. Because okay. um, 25 is such an odd. Right. My buddy Kyle Reynolds, though, picked 4124. Used to, in sales here, he lives in uh, Gallatin. Yeah. He sent it to me last night, his prediction. That's cl- that's, that's uh, You can't get us two points off. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's closer than mine. I had 4228. That's, that's very close. Jimmy and I each had it by four points. You had it 3430. Yes. And I had it 3834. Nice. So, so my record prediction for the year yeah. um, record 103 and 20. Uh, just picking SEC games. So that's pretty strong. 
it's all right. It's ten percent better than last year. So, <laughs> <laughs> what were you against the spread? I didn't do this. Oh, okay. I I noted the spread just for context, but you but, know this this hope to get one percent better stuff. I mean, <laughs> hope to get ten percent better. That's three hundred sixty five percent better <laughs> from a year ago. That's, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, what can we look forward to? Because uh, you, of course, do so much blogging. And is there anything specific you got your eye on? Well, we'll do. Um, I'm going to do a, a reset of the Tennessee football roster very soon. Obviously, a lot of comings and goings with the uh, transfer portal. So we're going to kind of reset all the positions for the Tennessee football team very soon. Look at the VFLs in the NBA. Boy, Admiral Schofield had a day where he was in the G League, he played in a G League game and then played some minutes for the Wizards on the same day. Yeah. After 38 minutes with the G League team. So uh, he he and that whole Washington team with Jordan McRae has been really hot. Grant Williams uh, doing a press conference. I don't know if you guys saw this. He did a press conference. He spent most of it endorsing three of his teammates for the All-Star game. And he had he had a one sheet given stats and notable uh things to encourage fans to vote for them for the All-Star game. Just he is he is I'm sure a favorite of the Boston media up there. So we'll do a, a look at the VFLs in the NBA and then obviously we'll do predictions for the two conference championship games. This weekend, so look for that on 991thesportsanimal.com. And I can say, Vince, that we talked to everybody on the staff as well as all of our regular guests, and you were the closest to the score with that? your 42-28. Cool. So there you go.